0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to, the to the Bulls Beat podcast show, show. the Chicago, Chicago Bulls, podcast. Bulls podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat, Bulls fans. Doug Tillman is here with you, discussing our Chicago Bulls. And I would say there's a pretty good chance our off season is over. I'd say it was very, very conservative. That's not entirely unexpected, but I want you to sit back right now and think for yourself if. John Paxson and Gar Foreman had the same off-season, how would you feel about it? And I think you'd feel pretty bad. I think you'd feel like these guys aren't doing anything at all. And in in that sense, I, I don't feel that you should think differently because Arturis Karnasovas had this off-season instead. Like, you know, this is either a good off-season or a bad off-season. But I think that's kind of interesting. I don't want to get too hung up on the past, but I just think it, it reminds me of how people... They get anchored to opinions on guys. You know, a guy starts out, you're like, give him time. Let's see what he has. We'll be patient. And then as a guy is there for a little bit, you're like, I hate everything they do. And and, and so you kind of overreact on the positive side at the beginning and you overreact on the negative side at the end. And I just think that's kind of like a fascinating piece of human psychology that I think generally exists and and definitely exists with Bulls fans and even with myself. You know, it's kind of like I, I had Patrick Williams on my, I would never draft this guy list you know, when looking at a scouting video. And then now after we drafted him and he's a bull, I start looking at everything. I'm like, ah, you know what? He looks pretty good, actually kind of athletic. This Instagram video that leaked of him looks really like a legit small forward, has way more skills than I thought. Everyone talks great about him. you, know, you start digging into more things and all of a sudden you start looking at all the positives and you feel a little better about him. You know, part of that is also like legitimate things that I didn't know before because I didn't get that in depth. I just looked at like the initial video of him and thought, yeah, I'm not necessarily so sure. I'm psyched about this guy, and didn't dig into like what his coaches think. Didn't know he used to play point guard in high school. Uh, a great quote quote from his college coach saying he came in, and all he talked about was wanting to learn how to play defense and learn the fundamentals of defense. You know, so I, I think now you kind of like, like you learn more, and then you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like I said before too, in the last show, a lot has happened, and for everyone, a lot has happened between. The last time we saw these guys, kind of their videos from October to March of 2018, 2019, uh, to, or yeah, sorry, 2019, 2020, uh, to now, which is like eight months later, working out professional trainers, working on their skills, doing other stuff. So uh, they're just different players. They're just different players from what we've seen. And, and the guys who get to scout them, you know, they get to see that, and we don't. So we'll see how, how things go there. But here's the Bulls off season. Here's the Bulls off season. We drafted Williams and uh, Marco Siminovic. We signed Devon Dotson to a two-way contract, He was an undrafted free agent, and uh, Devon Dotson seemed like his agent forced him out of the draft, kind of in the middle, once he didn't go in the top ten picks of the second round. And a lot of players will do this because uh, they'd rather choose their spot than get drafted and be tied to one team. The, The rules actually kind of make it better to go undrafted than they do to be drafted by a team who may not have a roster spot for you or something else. So a lot of times now, once you get past around pick number 40, where it's highly likely you're going to make team, uh, guys who don't want to play by the team's rules will kind of tell you know, the team drafting them, like, yeah, you know what, don't take me. I'm, I'm going to take your tender offer. I'm going to force you into whatever. And, and, and so it, it becomes one of those situations where now there's a little bit more negotiation between guys drafted and uh, guys not drafted. And Dotson wanted to become a unrestricted free agent. It makes sense, or I should say, well, undrafted free agent. I guess also unrestricted, but undrafted free agent. It makes sense too from his perspective because you know, looking at the Bulls, Chicago guy, idolized Derrick Rose, goes to Chicago, and it feels like we're going to have opportunity at point guard, right? Especially for someone like him who's, who's very fast and, and can bring something that the Bulls don't necessarily have. It feels like he would potentially have a, a good chance to make this roster in another year. Maybe play a lot of games for us this year. So I like that signing. Anyway, uh, that was maybe a little bit more than I wanted to say about Dotson. So they signed Denzel Valentine to the QO. They signed Adam Makoka to the QO. They renounced Dunn and Shaq and let those guys become unrestricted for agents, or I should say failed offer, qualifying offer to them. And those guys would both leave. And then they signed Garrett Temple Uh, So Temple, you know, he's kind of an all-around player. People have talked him up a little bit, you know, like, oh, he's kind of a two-way player. A little does. He can pass. He can shoot. He can defend. He's going to be 35 in the middle of the season, and he's a role player at the top of his career. Shot 32.9% from three last year, and I think even a little bit worse the year before that. So, like, I don't know. Is he really going to be a much better shooter than Chris Dunn? Like, I'm not sure that that's true. Is he really a better passer than Chris Dunn? I think probably not. Is he... Uh, better defender than Chris Dunn? Sure as hell, no. Now, I think Chris Dunn, you know, the part of that is all in a vacuum. Like, you're ignoring the personalities when I say all those things. I mean, I think Chris Dunn's going to have a better season. I think he's a better player. And I'm not even really convinced that Garrett Temple is more of a two way player than Chris Dunn, who, you know, he fit into a specific niche that Boylan asked him to last year. You know, that, and that's fine. But You know, Chris Dunn didn't seem like he wanted to be here. Body language not always the best. And that was true of a lot of guys, like Zach a terrible body language last year. It didn't show up to the bubble. And yeah, I don't blame him so much for that because he was a free agent and you know, you get hurt and it it hurts you. Like there's not a lot of reason to show up for something like that when you're when you're a free agent and the team doesn't have you know rights on you. Like it's only a downside for you, and that downside is like millions of dollars. Like you tear an ACL or something in that that bubble and now you've lost, you know, as it turns out he signed for ten million dollars, you lost ten million dollars. So uh, you know, as much as I might want to stay with a team, you know, Chris Dunn's not made massive, massive money. Like, you know, <laughs> what would you do for $10 million? Like I'd skip a minicamp, you know, <laughs> so I can't, I can't blame him. Like it's, it's a lot of risk actually to take in his position. So I I don't blame him for that, but it was, you know, like other guys were there uh, who are in that same situation. And, and so, you know, it just is what it is. But, you know, I think uh, I, I I think he probably wanted to go somewhere else. I think the Bulls wanted to go in a different, different direction. So a mutual parting of ways. Probably personalities didn't fit. There was some rumors about poor work ethic in his time with Chicago as well. And, and so I think, I think the Bulls just wanted to move in a different direction. So even though I think Chris Dunn's probably a better player than Garrett Temple, who seems like an amazing locker room guy. Granted, Thad Young was supposed to be an amazing locker room guy and was complaining about minutes last year and his role and other stuff, even though those things were obvious when he signed here. So... I always take that locker room guy with a grain of salt. If you want someone to be an assistant coach, hire an assistant coach, you know. But either way, Garrett Temple is fine. A one-year, $5 million deal. It's a fine signing. You know, he'll he'll probably fit in. He'll help some things. He's probably not going to be a huge minute guy. Nothing wrong with Garrett Temple. I'm I'm completely okay with that signing. And I'm okay with leaving the Bulls more cap room next year, even though I don't think there's going to be a lot of options next year in free agency, and I'm sure over the course of the year we'll talk about that on this this show. I I don't want to get to too much about that right now just because we'll discuss this year uh, but so that's it that's kind of it for the bulls offseason and so you know i i noted this is an extremely conservative offseason on twitter i get kind of flamed for it i may have been maybe a teeny bit more negative about it than that just a little bit but yeah i know this is this is about as conservative an offseason as as you can be right i mean like you basically brought back the exact same roster, except you let a guy who was a stricter free agent go, who signed for less than the qualifying offer you would have had to keep. You kept a guy, a lot of guys on a QO that we didn't think we were going to. Like, that's the big controversy here is we, we kept Denzel Valentine, and, and we moved uh, Chris Dunn, and maybe maybe it, initially we thought we might have reached on, on Pat Williams in the draft, but as, as it turns out, you know, that kind of feels like no. We know for sure now the Detroit Pistons we're going to take him at seven, so... There's no chance to get our guy and trade down, you know, further than six. And, you know, there's no reason to think that anyone wanted to trade up from five or six to to give us something just to move down. So I, I think probably the options there were, were a little limited if we were really locked in to, to Pat Williams being better than everyone else on the board. Now, I don't know that I feel that way personally, but, uh, you know, if the Bulls do and the Bulls have more information than me, then then, yes, you have to stay where you are. So. You know, people have been kind of saying, like, oh, yeah, you got to take your time. You got to see where these guys are at. You got to see how things are going to go. And, you know, I don't know that I buy into that necessarily. I don't buy that at all, I mean, actually. I don't I don't think that's at all true that you need to see where these guys are. You know, Billy Donovan game planned against these guys. It's not like he doesn't know who they are. It's not like walking into a, a private company. People use the example, like, if you took over a company and you you'd have to get to know everyone and do whatever, like, yeah, because when you walk into a company, you've never met any of these guys before or seen them before. Like, that's not what's going on here, like. Like, you've watched these guys, like, with their performance is very public. It's not, like, walking into a company. And I've had to remake teams and company. And even even then, like, you... The amount of time it took them to make moves, to shuffle things. Like, I've had to make moves and reorganize departments in less time uh, than Arturis Konosovas has been here and and have done that and, and hadn't had any exposure to what the company did or anything else. Like, so, like, no, I don't think that's true at all, that they needed to, to take a year. Now, they may have wanted to say... You know, everything was on the coach. Everything was on the coach and health. I'm going to add health in there. People always put everything on Boylan, but I think health was a very, very big factor. So clearly they didn't like Boylan. They let they let Boylan go. And, you know, that's just the the way it is. And that's fine. Um, and, and a good idea. Like, I, sorry, I, fine. Like, I didn't support that move. <laughs> Absolutely a good idea. I, Billy Donovan should be a huge improvement to Chris Boylan. Uh, Jim Boylan, Chris Boylan, Jim Boylan, should be a huge improvement to Jim Boylan. I'm, I'm excited about that. I think that was an A-plus move, and I'm excited that they brought in a real coach and not just an assistant. I think that's also a good move. So that that's great. But they they basically now, with this offseason, have have kind of said, you know, we think really the problem has been health and the head coach, and everything else here is maybe okay. And that that's sort of how things have gone. Uh, now, whether they actually think that or not is a little bit different. And the reason I'll say is this you know, Daryl Morey is an example, went into Philly, uh, immediately traded Al Horford. He brought in shooters. He he brought in guys who would be, you know, good fits next to what they had brought in Seth Curry. So, you know, they they got rid of this like super heavy defensive thing and they remade kind of their roster. They saved a bunch of money in the luxury tax. They did a lot of things to improve their roster right away. Like Daryl Morey didn't go, well, I got to just see how this plays out for a year. Like he came in and said, no, I just, things that are bad here that are obviously bad that I can fix right away, and I'm, I'm going to try and fix some of those things. And they did that. And so, you know, like, you could have come into the Bulls and did the same thing. Like, I don't think you needed to, to wait to see how things go. So if you're waiting to see how things go and you're genuinely doing that, and I'm not sure that they were, and I'll explain that in a minute. If you're genuinely doing that, you're genuinely just waiting to see how things go, then you're saying everything here was really just on the health and the coach. And, and I don't think that's fair. I mean, I think, I think more of this is on the players. I can't say we can put it all on health and coach. Though so I do think health was a very big factor. I think Jim Boylan was a factor. I think less less so than other people do, but I think he was a factor. Clearly, Donovan will be an improvement. But I think health was a very big factor, uh, especially for Wendell Carter Jr. You know, and the thing that I've said about this is, you know, when he got hurt his rookie season, he also got hurt as soon as the offseason. He had surgery, so he didn't get to practice or do anything at all for that whole off season between his rookie and sophomore year. And he kind of came into camp. He still wasn't even in shape yet because he he couldn't practice so much. So, you know, for these young guys, a lot of the improvement that they're able to make is kind of during that downtime in the offseason. And, and Carter lost that. And he lost a lot of it his rookie year. And then he got hurt in his sophomore year again and lost that time again. And so he he really hasn't had a lot of time to work on his game. And so now I think, you know, he's had time. He's had his eight months or so where I, I presume he's been healthy most of this time. And so now I, I think there's like a lot more opportunity that maybe things have improved for him. Now we'll have to see if he has a work ethic. If he comes to the camp out of shape this year, then that's definitely a huge, huge red flag and a big problem. But I think there's a chance he's going to come back actually a lot better because he's not had that time that other people have. And so I think you're going to see delayed development with him uh, or there's a chance for delayed development, I should say. You know, we'll see how it actually pans out, but there's a chance for that. And 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 so you know that health I think kind of hurts. And now, would you, do you get anything out of Otto Porter? You know, can he stay healthy for a year? I thought it was really suspicious that he was like on a minutes limit even before he was injured last year. So that was kind of weird. But if Otto Porter is able to stay healthy this year and actually play, say, sixty games this season, you know, I, I think you could see something that would be that would be interesting as well. But so you know, the health I think it was was kind of a factor. Uh, but then now you get down to the head coach. That's also a factor. But. Here's the thing. Now, here's, here's other things you could do. Now, you couldn't have made a big splash in free agency. You know, on Twitter, people said, well, we didn't have any money. We're going to have money next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. But here's, I, I completely agree that you you couldn't do anything in free agency. I have no problem with, with really the bulls free agent moves. I, I, I would not want to clog up the cap any. I probably wouldn't have gone longer than one year. Garrett Temple is as good as the next guy to me for like a filler guy who's just going to you know, be kind of okay at everything for your good locker room presence. I, I think that's fine. There's no problem with what the Bulls did in free agency to me. Just when you only have the mid-level exception and you also have a lot of money out there and not a lot of quality out there, like, I don't think you're going to get someone really good if you offered uh, the full MLE to someone. So I'm I'm completely fine with that. It's no problem. But you look at uh, what they could have done. Here's some other things they could have done. They could have moved up in a draft. Now, maybe you didn't want to. Maybe the cost was too high. Maybe you didn't actually like LaMelo Ball or James Wiseman or Anthony Edwards, maybe you couldn't have really gotten there to get the one of those guys you wanted if you did like one of them. Uh, you could have theoretically moved down in the draft. Now, this is maybe a little bit less possible. You know, As we know now, looking at it, I think 16 was the first pick that was moved in this draft. So no one moved up into the top 16. And so with that, I think you can say maybe the, the option to move down was pretty limited unless you're moving all the way down to 16 or something and, and probably the Bulls didn't want to move that far down. So maybe that wasn't an option. Maybe there were options, but they just didn't want to do it. Maybe they were tied into uh, Pat Williams and they they didn't want to make a trade. I mean, I do think for Detroit's perspective that based on what we know, they would have given us 7 and 16 for number 4 to take Patrick Williams. And so, you know, from my end, looking at this, uh, where I was on a huge Patrick Williams guy, I would have jumped on that deal. I mean, I think that deal was probably on the table. And so from my end, I'd take it you know, I'd have taken that and been happy with whomever we got at number seven. Uh, you know, I think I think we would have got someone who was just fine there. And I would have been okay with that. And and then you're looking at maybe Hal Burton, Killian Hayes. I'm trying to think off the top of my head the, the other guys that, that I liked. But, you know, it was like Denny O'Kuro and Pat Williams would be off the board. You know, you, you had decent options there. So, you know, I think I'd have been okay with that. And then at 16, you know, who knows who, who you end up taking. Um, you know, various options there as well. And I would have rather just banked on two guys rather than one. Like I would have rather just had two guys uh, than than betting on one. But, you know, if Williams turns out to be this great player, and and now because I've got Bulls bias, I kind of feel like, you know, he's my guy now. And so now I'm a little bit excited and I think, no way Williams will definitely be better than these two guys. So the logical part of me uh, goes back and says, you know what? I probably, I don't think the gaps between these guys are so big that we are better off having one instead of two. But yeah, maybe And if Williams pans out to be the best player uh, out, of, out of that kind of group, then yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It turns out to be a good deal. So it really just depends whenever whenever you uh, trade up or trade down, you know, you always take some risk of ridicule. You know, when you stand pat, you just take the risk of, you know, whoever you take and how they pan out. And uh, Arturis Kronosovic doesn't seem like he cares about what people think right now, which is perfect. Uh, you know, the old saying, if you listen to the fans, you'll be sitting with them soon. So you know, don't listen to people like me. We'll give you bad advice. But uh, I think that's one option that was on the table. And it's one that I probably would have taken. And uh, so that would have been one thing they could have done. They could have maybe theoretically moved out of the draft, tried to trade for a 2021 pick. I don't know how reasonable that option is. Again, no one, no one traded up, so it, it doesn't seem likely. You could have swapped uh, Porter or Felicio for longer term deals and tried to get some compensation. Um, again, it's hard to say exactly what would have been on the table, but there were trades kind of of, of that nature that were done. Uh, I didn't see any in immediately that I thought the Bulls could have gotten involved in, though. You know, a lot of the teams were looking to trade into cap space and in, in trying to save luxury tax money or trying to, to get further further lower so they could uh, make other moves. And, and these deals would have helped them in, in future years, not in this year. And so that'll be the type of thing the Bulls have more opportunities for next year. Uh, they could have traded players that were on this roster that, you know, are, are kind of guys that you know, have value outside of their, their contract status. So you could have traded uh, Lowry or Zach for future compensation. Uh, you know, I discussed that these guys are depreciating in value. Like is a free agent at the end of this year. Uh, you're going to have to make a decision on him then. He's in this boat of players, which, I, you know, I think is a, the terrible boat of players that, like, they're not max players. Uh, they're, they're guys that generally end up making, like, say, 20-ish million a year, and then you know, like that, those are like the worst contracts to kind of clog up your roster because they don't move the needle once you pay them that much money. Uh, but they do limit your ability to bring in guys that do move the needle. Uh, they do help you win games like like teams with tons of contracts like this are usually the teams I find, you know, kind of like floundering in the, the middle of the NBA with no ability to move up and uh, also not getting great draft picks. And so Lowry's is going to probably become that type of player unless he makes some really unexpected you know, step forward, you know, this year, and I'd be even more scared if he became a max player paying him max money. Uh, But, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe if he he becomes truly dominant in some sense, I I will no longer have that fear. But, you know, so Lowry's Lowry's value is diminishing. Now, it could be the case that you couldn't get anything in trade. Like, maybe they looked, and like, the most you could get for Lowry was a second rounder. And, you know, if so, then I'm totally fine uh, not doing anything with him, even though his value is depreciating. And it's like, all right, well, we can get pick number 31 in this crappy draft, so might as well keep Lowry and see if there's something better at the deadline, see if he plays a, a really strong first half of the season and some team, you know, wants to gamble on him later. You know, I think that's that's also a possibility. Uh, Zach Levine is going to be in the same boat as Jeff's in two years instead of one year. You know, like he, he's got two years left on his deal. It's a pretty cheap deal. You got two years of control right now. Uh, I think a team like the the Bucks or the 76ers would have been pretty interested. I don't know if the 76ers had much to offer. I'd be a little nervous taking... Uh, a bunch of draft picks from them because I'm not convinced that they're going to be bad enough that those picks will be super valuable. Uh, it, but uh, the Bucks trade, like if there was some way we could have you know, swapped in Lowry and Zach Levine instead of Drew Holiday and gotten that treasure trove of draft picks from Milwaukee, treasure trove of draft picks from Milwaukee, I would have loved it. Like Zach Lowry for all those picks. Uh, I, you know, and if I'm Milwaukee, I probably would have taken that over Drew Holiday. I would have, I mean, I think you'd have been in much better shape. But who knows? I I, I would have loved that. You know, obviously it sets the direction of this. This team is going to move backwards for a little bit. But, man, I think that is just going to be a set of draft picks that would set you up forever. I think this is going to go down as one of the worst trades in the history of the NBA for the Milwaukee Bucks. Because I think Giannis is going to leave. And then they're going to have a bunch of aging players and then they're basically not going to have their own draft pick for like five years because the Pelicans are going to be good and then they're just going to swap those swaps. And, and man, it's just going to be a nightmare for Milwaukee. They're going to be in a hole that they cannot give out. and They're not a free agent destination, so they're not going to be able to sign guys once Giannis is gone either. I think this is a, a trade that sets up the Pelicans beautifully and I would love to have been on the other side of that. Now maybe we tried to get in that trade and we couldn't like, maybe they said, you know what? We don't want Zach Levine and Lowry marketing because these are not two way players. And we're not convinced that these guys are playoff caliber guys that are going to help us win now. And we need, you know, more consistency. I, I don't know. I, if I was Milwaukee, I probably would have taken those two guys over, over Drew holiday. And if I was the bulls, I absolutely would have offered them, but maybe that deal happened too fast. And Milwaukee never even came calling to us and we didn't come calling to them. You know, like, if I was Milwaukee, I would have been calling every team in the league going like, hey, look, I'm willing to give up four first round draft picks here. Uh what are you what are you willing to give me? What's the best you'll do for this package? Because right now the best I'm getting is Drew Holiday. So if you can top that, I'm in. Mean, you know, like I would have been going through my Rolodex, and if anyone else wants to beat that offer, because that's a lot to give up for Drew Holiday. Uh so you know, I would have loved to get in, but maybe maybe it happened too fast for the Bulls to do it. Maybe we just weren't an option there. Uh the other thing you could have done is you could move Sato or Thad, and this is still a possibility, of course, and I guess any of these theoretically are possibilities, so I think you're going to see transactions slowing down a lot. Uh, you could have moved either of these guys to try and get rid of their deal next year just to enhance your, your cap room for next year. You know, these guys are both like, partially guaranteed for next season, and if you want to get further under the cap, if you could trade either of these guys for a deal that expires now, you could get further under the cap next year and maybe give yourself more flexibility to play this game where you're uh, making trades and you know, getting a draft. <laughs> Uh, packages for cap space and stuff like that, which is, I think, how we're going to use the cap space next year. If you look at next year's free agent class, it, it, it's basically Giannis, and that's kind of like kind of it. Like, there's no one else sexy in it. I think uh, after Giannis, you know, you have the, the possibility that Kawhi Leonard could opt out of his Clippers deal. You have the possibility that LeBron James could opt out of his Lakers deal. You have the possibility Paul George could drop uh, opt out of his Clippers deal. Uh, you know, Paul George doesn't actually excite me at all. I, I've never been a Paul George fan, and after this playoffs, I'm not going to start. Kawhi Leonard, obviously, you would take if if you could get him. I have a hard time seeing him opt out of that Lakers deal, or Clippers deal, rather, and if he does, I can't see him coming here. LeBron James, I mean, I don't think there's any chance he opts out of the Lakers deal unless it's just to sign another deal with the Lakers, and again, even if he did, there's no chance he's coming here, so I I think in all these cases, like, really, it's like Giannis or Bust, and, you know, if it's Giannis or Bust, I can't imagine, like, us getting Giannis with what we have next year, so Next year, again, we should be looking to use our cap room to to facilitate uh, trades and, and get extra picks. We should, we should be playing the role of the Oklahoma City Thunder in this in, in, in this draft. And if we can make any deal with the Thunder, I would be, I'd be buddying up with the Thunder now, like calling Sam Presti, going like, hey, you know, do you like any of our players? What can we do for you? Because the thing is, the Thunder have so many draft picks, they can't use them all. Like, they have so many draft picks, they're going to actually have to trade multiple draft pick picks for players, or they're going to have to trade draft picks. Uh, to move up in the draft, like like three, four picks to get one pick, uh, you know. So I think like if I'm a team, you know, I would have the, the Thunder in my rolodex as they they start realizing like, holy crap, we don't have enough roster spots to, to take in all these talent. Like, we're gonna have to figure out a way to consolidate this. Now, I, I would love to be the team that you know, takes on multiple pieces, you know, in that place. So you know, like, to me if we could trade Lowry or Zach Levine, one of these guys to like the Thunders as young piece, you could still do a lot and rebuild around on, and maybe they would like, and then we could get a bunch of draft picks. That's like something I would look at. And now, you know, the Thunder have not done something like that right now. And maybe they're not going to in the future either, but like I'd, I'd keep that open as, as an option. And next year, you know, I'd be looking at stuff like that. So, you know, That's kind of like a, where I, I think there were like room to make trades, and now and so. When I say like the Bulls are conservative, like they didn't do any of those things, right? So, I'm not saying they should have made a big splash in pre agency, that wasn't possible. Uh, and it could be that all of these things were also not possible, like it could be they explored each of these things and they said, Yep, the value for Zach is way less than a Bulls fan think it would be. Uh, the value for Lowry was non existent because of whatever. Uh, you know, we were, didn't, you know, Felicio and Porter. Uh, weren't valuable in trades because teams wanted money this year, not not in the future, and maybe uh, you know Sato and Thad, their value to us on the court is more than than trying to clear just you know a little bit of money next year off the books. You know, Like that, those things could all be true. Like, so they could have explored all these options and just in the end said you know no i don't want to do any of these things the one that the one that sticks out to me a little bit like i said is moving down to 7 and 16 from number 4 and drafting different players but if we felt very strongly about patrick williams then you know he obviously wasn't going to get there you were trading down to give the team that wanted your guy your guy uh and and so i understand why we wouldn't do that you know by not doing that it just means we feel very strongly about patrick williams much stronger than we did about the other guys they were going to be available a few picks later, and if that's the case, then I, I you know, that's fine. You know, in this draft, I'd rather had uh, two bullets in the gun than one, but uh, you know, I get it. You you got to take your your best guy, and and if Williams was your best guy and you think he really has high upside, then then you take him and you don't look back. And so that's kind of my view of the off season. Like I, I look at this, and you know, I kind of I kind of grade the Bulls off season as as a C. You know, we we basically stood pat, and that might have been the right decision. That absolutely might have been the right decision. Uh, there might not have been been good options, but it wasn't. It was definitely not an aggressive offseason. I I kind of thought Arturs Karnavis was was going to be aggressive, uh, and it doesn't seem that way. And then other people have countered, well, he's supposed to be thoughtful and have a process and and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that might be true. I mean, Denver made a lot of draft day trades during his era there. Like almost every draft, they made a trade. And I thought uh, he would be a little bit more aggressive in making some changes. Like I said, Daryl Morey walked into Philadelphia and made changes right away. Uh, you, you've seen these guys, you know who they are. It's not like there's any surprises here. I mean, if, if you said, well, we're going to wait to see what happens with Kobe White, I'd, I'd get it. And if you say, we want to wait to see what happens with Wendell Carter, i get it. But, you know, everyone else, you, you kind of got the book on. Like, there's, there's no reason that you need to see anyone else. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, like I said, it was a, it was a very conservative offseason. Uh, I don't think the, the need to wait it was a valid reason not to do anything. Absolutely, a valid reason not to do anything could be just there was nothing good to do. You explored it all. You were very thorough, and that in the end, uh, what we did, which was very little, was more valuable than the alternative. That's one of the tough things as a fan. You can't you can't gauge entirely without knowing what options are on the table, and we just simply don't know what option on the, on the table. Except like, probably seven and sixteen for number four probably was on the table. I had taken that one, but if Pat Williams turns out to be a stud, then we will I will absolutely be wrong on that. <laughs> and it will definitely not be uh, the move the Bulls should have made. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Next week, I'm going to have Mark from uh, the uh, Bulls HQ podcast on the show, and uh, we will talk with you then. If you have any questions for myself or Mark for that that show, uh, let me know, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next week.